you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chris Wilson. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, glad to be here. Excellent. And Chris, there's still people around the world who don't know about you. Who are you? Tell us all the sleazy details. Sure. I'm Chris Wilson. I'm founder of a performing arts school called the Academy of Music and Art. And we are a music, art, dance, and theater school in Westmont, Illinois. Uh, that's about uh, 19 miles uh, west of Chicago. And uh, we are like an after-school and evening education program. Uh, in 2019, before COVID, we had about 650 clients coming through the office uh, at any given period of time, uh, of a staff of about 25 uh, from a management standpoint, one manager, two assistants, and then the rest are uh, teachers giving lessons and teaching classes. Cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Very, yeah, very different. It's a, it's a very cool business. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, are, are, you, are you into art yourself or how, how yeah. did you get into this whole thing? Sure. Uh, I graduated from uh, Berkeley College of Music in 1990 with a degree in music. I'm a guitarist by trade. And, you know, in school, they, you know, when you're in high school in the United States, they say, don't go into the arts because you'll, you know, there's no jobs. There's nothing waiting for you when you get out. And they were 100% right. I graduated from college. I didn't have a job. There was like, you know, I had no marketable skill besides playing the guitar and I was really good. Uh, so I opened a guitar school in my apartment. And, uh, and it just went from there. The business took off right away. And my apartment building said, you know, you can't operate a business out of your apartment. So I had to rent a space. And then as I got more clients, I, I started hiring people and immediately, you know, you had employees, uh, which was a whole nother, and this would have been going back to maybe 1995, uh, had no preparation or any, anything. I was like, all of a sudden, one day I had people calling me up, asking me what they were supposed to do. And uh, that was eye-opening. Yeah. Interesting. That's a, a good way to start a business. Good way to start yeah. a business. You jump in, right? <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So obviously your business have a, a few different challenges that most people don't actually see. But uh, in, in terms of, you know, working with not full-time staff as much, because it is a very creative field. So yeah. Um, what, what, what's the particular challenges that you're facing the most and, and how, how are you dealing with those? Sure. You know, and we're, we're part of what they call in the United States. And I think this is a widely used term, the gig economy, where this is, you know, someone has something they want to do. They want to be an actress. They want to be a singer. They want to do something. And so they take this other side job, this sort of side hustle to support them to make ends meet. And so my teachers, you know, they're 100% part time. Uh, none of them really would like full-time jobs. If I said, hey, could you work during the day in the summer? We have summer programs. You know, 90% of them are like just not interested uh, or don't want to commit the whole summer because, oh, what if an audition comes up? What if this comes up? What if that comes up? So it is very much a part-time staff. At the same time, they're, they're teaching lessons to kids and so or to adults. And so there's this relationship you're building with your client, with your student. And it's very difficult to build that relationship if every six months you're turning over your staff. You know, so you have this great piano teacher, you love them and they're great and they're fabulous. And then six months later, they get a job and they're going to be in Indiana for six months. And so then you have to have another person come in here. And so there is really uh, not necessarily continuity in the staff. 
And so as a business, that that is very challenging uh, from a customer standpoint. Just as I'm getting to know you, just as I'm getting to like you, you're gone. Uh, I know other people in like the health club industries, personal trainers, for example, uh, have that issue as well, where it's, it's very much a part-time job until they go do something else. Yeah, and, and <laughs> definitely tried that one on my own skin. So lots of personal trainers who are like starting out and like, yeah, this is what right. I want to do. This is my dream. Right. Yeah. And it was your dream for six months and then it wasn't your dream anymore. Uh, right. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, the personal trainer store, I knew the guy who was in it shortly was like, yeah, it was like you work from 5 a.m. to like 8 a.m. And then they expect you to come back from, you know, and work from five to seven or, you know, so you have your day free, but you have these weird, you know, like three hours of work and then a nine hour gap and then another four hours of work or five hours of work. Yeah, it's very difficult to have a life. Uh, you know, other physical therapists, have, I think, face a similar similar problem. And they're dealing with basically professionals, you know, doctors of physical therapy where it's, you know, you're working one place one day a week, you know, another place two days a week. So yeah. it's difficult. Interesting. So what, what's been the best sort of tips and tricks to, to get the most out of a difficult situation like that like what are the things you've learned that that works well for you sure because we you know when we started out i went to a management seminar and there was a speaker and he was great and he said you know uh, you can't manage people you, you can only manage agreements and so i was like okay so they said if the, you know you you sit down with the person you you write out an agreement and then if they break the agreement well they've broken the agreement then you you let them go and so i you know you burn through 100 percent of your staff in six months so that did not solve the problem uh but where i got actually a great idea was i was actually on vacation in los angeles and i was staying at a hotel in west hollywood it was the one that gordon ramsay's restaurant was in and uh, I was sitting talking to the manager and I, and I said, well, how do you manage all these waiters and waitresses? They're all, uh, you know, they want to be an actress. They want to be on auditions. They're all doing this. Like, how do you get a reliable, you know, how do you run a reliable Michelin starred restaurant with like people in this gig economy? And she said, you know, you have to be really flexible with them. You have to say, all right, I'm going to give you these days off or I'm going to work on your schedule, but you have to have someone to cover your shift or you have to have you can't give me, you know, five minutes notice. We need to work this out a couple days in advance. You need to talk to your clients and let them know what's going on. You can't just disappear and be like too bad. You know, you're going to need to either, and if you can't see them in person for some reason, because you have to leave right away, you have to call them up or you can make them a video and say, Hey, listen, I just want you to know, I'm going to be uh, performing this Shakespeare play and it's in Michigan. And so I'm going to be gone, but your new teacher is going to be this person. And this is how the handoff is going to be. And so it becomes this idea of you broke the agreement, you're gone, right? <laughs> You've lost your reference, hard feelings to, all right, we're going to let you step out and go do your creative thing. And we're going to let the students know about it. We're going to tell the clients, look, they're going to be back and they're going to be better because they've been performing and they're going to tell you what a real life audition is. And they're going to tell you what it's like to perform on stage. And then they're going to bring that back to the school. And if you want to go back to your old teacher, you can, or if you want to, if you like the new teacher, that's okay too. And so giving them that flexibility within reason uh, was really one of the best things we took on. And uh, I found that, I was able to do it because as the person who owns the business, you're the person who has to be there all the time and be rock solid and everything. And so I was able to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks doing something. Now that might've been a vacation in Paris. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a gig. Sometimes it's just wanting to get away. Uh, but it could be any, yeah, I'm going to a meeting and it's actually, you know, you're in Nashville or something like that, having a good time. 
Um, but it enabled me to step away from the business and enable this sort of creative, this culture of everyone sort of leans on each other. So um, we found that people didn't abuse it either. Cause initially it was like, well, what if we did this, you know, and the person just sort of like, you know, you give them a little bit and they sort of take this mile and now all of a sudden you've got headaches and everyone really appreciated the flexibility and they sort of embraced the system and what we found is, you know, there were a lot less conflicts than people thought. You know, how many, how many auditions a year did they have? Well, they weren't going on auditions every day. They were going on two or three auditions a year. So you're missing two or three days a year. That's not a big deal. If you had to be gone for a week because you have a show or someone's doing a movie or they have a big dress rehearsal or something, we can work around that. And to the clients, we say, look, this is a benefit because they're going to bring back real world experience. This person's going to be on stage, you know. They're like, you know, in the ensemble cast in the back right hand corner of Wicked, but they're still on Wicked, you know, or they're doing whatever, some kind of major musical, and they'll be able to tell you about it. What was it like working with this person or that person? Uh, so that's how we really embraced it. And it was just, you know, a simple conversation with the manager of Gordon Ramsay's West Hollywood. So nice. Yeah, yeah, that was we can was great we one. can learn from anyone around us. So oh yeah, it's always the best advice comes in the funniest places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Excellent. I probably shouldn't have been I shouldn't have been talking about work while I was on vacation in West Hollywood, but I, I couldn't help it. I saw <laughs> honestly <laughs> saw an when, opportunity. when you're a business owner, it's hard not to sometimes. So that's for sure. It's what you live and breathe. So yes, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Any great. other particular challenges you feel with the type of business you have that, that, you know, any particular challenges that you feel that, you know, you've managed to solve in a, in a very good way? Uh, you know, sometimes you have people, one thing is, let's say, so we're a school, so people are, are teaching lessons in classes. And so they're graduating from school with a degree in dance or a degree in piano, a degree in art, but they're not trained as teachers. And so we found initially we had, you know, highly qualified people as far as their instruments and their skill level, uh, but they, they, couldn't, they couldn't teach. I guess it would be like if you had a degree in accounting and you were a CPA and you really understood accounting, but it's like, okay, great, we're going to have you teach an accounting class. And it's like, well, I don't know how to teach an accounting class. And so as a business, we started a training and mentoring program to say, okay, we're going to take someone who has the knowledge and the skills and teach them how to teach other people. So uh, we could, if, if we could find someone who has a degree in education, who works in the public school system, that's great. Those people aren't always available because they're really in high demand in the public schools and, and we really can't match their, uh, you know, payroll and benefits and, and all the stuff you get from being a, a civic employee. Uh, so we started a mentoring program to say, okay, here's a senior teacher who really knows how to teach. And before this person with who's a great musician or a great dancer is going to get in front of a classroom or get in front of uh, students, we're going to mentor them and work with them and show them there's a teaching system and how to organize your lesson plans. And that made them more comfortable. Because I think if you go in there and there's, hey, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to like try to give lessons and figure out. And it's a disaster because you're uncomfortable. You don't know what to do. Uh, you might lose some clients just because you're not very good at it. Uh, and then there's holes where, they're, where they could be making money. Uh, and so that mentoring program really helped out as far as training and getting the teachers up to speed. And it, again, that when we did it, it seemed like, wow, am I going to be spending a lot of money on training? Am I going to be doing all these hours, you know, of time, how much training do we have to do? And it's literally like a series of 15 minute conversations. 
you know, so you might talk to someone and we would do it over the phone or now everyone does everything over zoom. You might talk to someone for 15 minutes and say, okay, well, here's what you're going to be seeing, you know, next week, uh, checking with me a couple of, you should really think about doing this. How would you organize that? And just, you know, little assignments and just little mentoring ideas of how to approach things uh, and things to think about. Cause often they don't have, uh, you know, the training, especially if you're working with kids or beginners. So if you take someone who has a, you know, a doctorate in music and you're going to put them in a room full of third graders, uh, as qualified as the person is, they might not know how to manage a classroom or even how to, how do you effectively communicate with a, you know, with a second grader or a third grader? Yeah, I love it. And, and yeah, uh, one, one of the things that I, I mean, I focus a lot on delegation with my both employees and managers and so yep. on, right? Because that's, oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. I'm a firm believer in the fact that, you know, the best way to learn is to teach. And, and yeah, that, that follows, that follows this pattern as well. Right. Um, oh yeah. I've, I've always been a huge, huge fan as well. I mean, obviously in the, in the arts, it might be slightly better with people in general, but uh, because I'm very much in the tech world, a lot of people are, you know, sometimes uncomfortable with other human beings and things like that. So I've, sure. uh, I've, I've found a lot of benefit in sending my staff to like Toastmasters and things like that, which is oh, basically sure. like a yeah. sort of Did public speaking yeah. and, and so on, right? And that it's it doesn't necessarily teach you to teach, but it teaches you to communicate better. And yeah. like a, a lot of teaching is exactly that, right? Yeah. So For sure. standing up in front of a group of people and actually being able to get your message across that that's really the essence of teaching. Right. So. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, we think of artists as maybe these outgoing people and performers, but a lot of them are really shy and they're just not comfortable talking to the people when you, when you walk them through the process, cause we're, and so one of the things we have an operations manual, so I've, you know, it's this thick and it's like every possible scenario of what you would do. That's like, okay, you're gonna have to go out there and greet the parent and say hello to them. And, it, and it's like, I have to talk to people. <laughs> You know, and they're the introverted artist who sat in their room and played guitar, you know, for 14 years. And, and now they're going to come out into the world. They're this virtuosic guitarist. And it's like, yeah, you have to actually be able to talk to the cousin and you have to get used to it. You're going to have to shake hands. You're going to have to say hello. You're going to have to make eye contact. You're going to have to talk to the kid. You're going to have to, after the lesson, go out and tell the parents how smart their kid is and how great their kid is. And here's what we're working on. And here's the plan. Uh, so definitely that would be another, if you're a small business person, hopefully, uh, you have the operations manual and the systems. I think we've all heard of Michael Gerber's E-Myth. Everyone talks about that book and having processes and systems for everything. And that allows you to delegate so that you can be somewhere else uh, whenever you need to be or even want to be. I mean, that's uh, definitely from, from my management consulting, the, the number one thing I work at is delegation, right? It's it's Oh, yeah. It's the one thing most people struggle with. And the, the concept sounds straightforward, but actually yeah. doing it is not always so, right? So Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's delegation, not abandoning, right? It's it's here's what I need you to do and here's how we're gonna do it, and not okay, we're never gonna speak about this again. So I'm gonna come in and check in with you. Not that I, you know, not that I don't trust you, but okay, let's see how these are going. Oh yeah, hey, you're getting this. Hey, don't forget to do that. So definitely not, you know. Uh, not abandoning the person, but delegating, you know, and you progressively spend more, uh, more time just kind of checking in with them. It, you know, and the, I think it's the one minute manager meets the entrepreneur was a book that really influenced me where it was like the four stages of developing a person to where 
you're just sort of, you get to the point where you're just checking in with them and it could be just a one minute phone call with them saying, Oh, Hey, I just want to make sure this is going on. Great. Everything looks good. Hey, I just want to make sure you let them know that you're paying attention that you haven't abandoned them, but you don't really need uh, to spend that much time with them. I have a great office manager who happens to be an actress as well. And she's on TV and things like that. Um, and, you know, I don't have to really monitor closely. I check in and I make sure she knows I'm there and that, you know, that everything is going well and that I'm paying attention. Uh, at the same time, I don't really need to go through everything she does. Uh, so I've, I've been able to really sort of train her and delegate quite a bit of responsibility to her. Yeah. And that's, that's the scenario you want, right? That's, yes, uh... absolutely. Yeah. I um, I actually one of my favorite books around systematization and so on was from a guy called Sam Carpenter, uh, and it's called okay. Work the System, and that's oh nice. Um, I mean, it's different than the E Myth. The E Myth is more sort of a fully fledged system, but uh, yep. Sam really goes through it in detail, like specifically the system part. Oh and nice. I think again, it's one of those things people are like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that in a while. You know, I need to yeah. grow bigger first and then I will do it. And the problem is you won't grow bigger if you don't do it. So it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Or you grow bigger and it blows up, right? Like you can't handle, you get this influx of customers. Um, definitely. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, if you're just starting out or maybe your business is growing, your system can be simple. You want it to be easy to follow. So you don't want so many things and so many details that the person, can, you know, it's not like you're trying to build Ikea furniture and this is like this insurmountable. You know, I, we try to break everything down to four or five easy steps. Hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, this, and this. Check the box as you go and that's it. And so it's a very small, easy to digest system. And as they get those things down, you can become more complex. And even with the teachers in their lessons, we try to break it down to, okay, beginning, middle, and end of the lesson, you know, and okay, here's, here's what the beginning looks like. And then within that beginning system, you might have a couple points. You could, you could cover one, two, three, these four things. You don't have to do them all in the middle part of the system. Step two, you could have these things you could do, you, you know, and pick the ones that seem appropriate with system three, you know, at the end, you're going to wrap it up like this, 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 um, you know, and there's things, hey, every class or every lesson ends with here's what you did right today. This is great. And here's what you accomplished today. And, and here's what you're working on for next week. And then same, you go tell the parents they want to hear how great their kid did. Here's what we did. They accomplished this, this, this. Uh, here's what we're working on for next week. And, and it's, it's a super, it's a really basic three-part system that works uh, as long as you follow it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess that's one of the one of the key things, right, uh, particularly when you're teaching the same classes over and over again, it's obviously easier, right? I guess the biggest challenge is like if you're starting a new type of class or something and you need to develop the framework. That's, exactly, that's, yeah. That's probably what yeah. takes the most effort. Yeah, because you really don't know, especially yeah, you, you know, when, we're, when we're thinking about the framework and we're saying, hey, this, we, I think this is the concept of what the class is going to be like, you know, and I, let's, go, let's go with this, this, and this, you know, three points. Uh, and then we'll have these subsets and then you, you try it out and it doesn't really work. And so now you, you know, you've got till next week to figure out something that will, uh, so, you know, or you, you check in, Hey, how did this new program go? These things work, these things didn't work or the kids, you know, maybe they learn slower than you think, or they learn faster. What, you know, there's always that type of thing. Cause you're interacting with people like, yeah, they had it immediately. And so it's like, okay, well now you got to fill another 45 minutes. What can you fill? Or it's going to be a lot slower. Yeah, human beings are sometimes human beings. So yes, that's, that's uh, yeah. yeah. It's always a challenge, um, but that's absolutely yeah. Interesting, 
Interesting. Other particular management issues that you face on a regular basis, like what 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 other things do you feel is is big in in your type of business? That uh, you know, the other thing uh, is it really is typically for people a very short career. You don't meet like I'm 54 years old. You don't meet a lot of older veteran music teachers. It typically for people is something you're sort of in this gig hustle economy. Uh, for a very short period of time of your life, you know. So if you if you graduate from college and you're 22 and you and you really sort of are trying to figure it out for two years, usually I feel like people come to me and they're about 24 years old, and so they're trying teaching for a while. Um, but it is a very short career, so you you know they're, they they're coming up on 28, 29, they move somewhere else, they move back home because many people move to Chicago. They're afraid, you know, they they want to do something in music or the arts. They're afraid to move to New York or LA or Nashville is too competitive. So they move to Chicago and they try to get something going here. And if something doesn't happen and let's face it, you're at a million to one shot. They don't stick with the industry and try to evolve in it. They typically leave the industry and do something else. So they get into it, they become a nurse. They, they just, they almost always do something else. So it's not really a long-term career. So you don't really have the benefit of having veteran employees. Uh, very few people stick with it. Maybe 5% stick with it as a long-term career. So you don't really get that senior level of, of mentors. You know, it's one of those things I have to usually be directly involved. And then someone who's maybe, you know, in their late twenties, who's been with me for four or five years can step in and really help out with the teacher training uh, and, and getting the, the younger teachers sort of up to speed as far as that goes. But it, it just, it really is just, it's not typically a long-term career. At some point they either feel pressure from maybe their families to get a real job or uh, either they might get married or just want to buy a house or they might not like the evening hours. Um, but yeah, that, that would definitely be a challenge that you don't really uh, have long-term people in. It, uh, as far as like senior, you wouldn't have someone with 20 years experience or 30 years experience. That's really unusual. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to think of if there's other fields that are similar, but I actually, well, I guess sports or high, high level elite sports is probably the same. Sure. But, uh, Definitely. Yeah. It, it could be, I guess if you were, um, you know, in, in the sort of gig economy where it's like part-time people, I know uh, someone who owns a hair salon. And so it's like, it's one of these things like people become a hairdresser and they do it for five or six years. And then after a while, you know, they don't typically stick with it. And and if they do, they might open their own salon or something like that, which is a whole different thing. Uh, yeah. But that was an example of someone where it's like, you know, they're not really, uh, they're not in it older. Uh, martial arts studios. I know someone who owns a couple martial arts studios and you know, you have, these people in the, maybe their early twenties who are teachers and things like that. And they're really committed to it. But as they get older, they don't really have time for the part-time job. They might be able to teach one class a week, maybe not. Uh, but you know, sort of grown up life gets in the way. Um, and so, yeah. So, and I feel like, so there is that thing that typically if you're the business owner uh, you are, you know, having other people around you who are sort of senior level uh, it's really unusual. In, yep. in sort of this, in the you know, service sector, gig economy type of thing. Uh, definitely. Restaurant industry, same thing. You know, you have these sort of trainee chefs, but do you, do you really want to do this to really ride out that grind and try to become, you know, a chef like Gordon Ramsay? Very few people want to have, you know, have the perseverance to stick it out. Yeah, I, I guess it's probably a, it's it's probably a, a slightly bigger than some of the other industries you, you mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. makes sense. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, I'd say in the online business world, you sometimes have it with all these people, sure. you know, who read the four-hour work week and it's like, oh, you know, I want to work online from anywhere. And yeah. Now I'm sitting in Bali and two weeks later, yeah. I'm sitting somewhere else. And yeah. um, the benefit, though, is if you're running a good business and, you know, you, you do have an attractive job, et cetera, then uh, it is something people can commit to longer term generally because, yeah. you know, even even when they go back home and so on, they can often keep doing that kind of work right so that's sure, one of the advantages definitely. but but uh, but there's also a lot of those people that you know kind of feel like oh yeah you know i can just get a job and it's easy and uh, that the, the challenge with most with most individuals like that is obviously they look at it from a personal perspective i.e from yeah. their perspective which is natural mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily always tie up with what a business owner is looking for right yeah and, and how a business operates so so that's, yeah, there's always some challenges in that regard, but. Uh... Yeah, I, you know, you really hit on something because it is when you're say a music person, it's a very personal thing. You know, like if you're in, even as a student, if you're, uh, you know, in law school and the teacher doesn't like your legal paper, well, it's just a paper, you just wrote it, right? You might not be happy with what he says, but it's just like he didn't like your paper. If you're in school for the arts or music and, and they don't like what you played or what you created, that's like you. That's like a personal attack on you. So if you tell someone, hey, you need to change how you're teaching, it's as if I'm attacking them personally, you know, or we can work on your teaching. And so uh, it is that personal perspective that they, um, uh, that they have, that they don't necessarily see. No, this is just a business. I'm just trying to make it run better. This isn't about you. And it kind of flips around to, you know, you're the evil business owner now, right? Yep. <laughs> who doesn't understand, who doesn't understand me? So, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So you definitely hit something there, the, the personal perspective. And I think, I mean, obviously things are changing very fast with COVID, right? And mm-hmm. oh, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting let's say post COVID and just in terms of what actually happens. Right. Because oh yeah, I, I definitely see the, the world of jobs being totally changed. Uh, I think yeah. it's, it's actually happened to a large degree already. I mean, the, the amount of people, particularly in the U S like the amount of people who have moved from LA and uh, New York and so on, either back to their home States or, you know, somewhere else where, their partners from or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I know a lot of people that have done that already. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what, what the big areas are going to look like when this thing is over. Well, you know, and I do think people like the idea of working remotely. So it's like, well, you know, I think Tony Robbins was one of the people who said, you know, we're in this big upheaval right now and we're all working from home and everything's on zoom and, you know, will everything go back to normal? What if people don't want us to go back to normal? Like, what if people don't, you know, like, like I haven't bought gas for my car since like November. I mean, I just, I don't use my, I don't drive anywhere. I don't need to drive anywhere. I don't have to drive to work. I can, I can do everything's online. Everything's over zoom. Um, You know, I, now I'm paying rent on a pretty big space, uh, but it's kind of, it is really nice not to have to commute. It is really great to, you know, for the convenience to say I'm going to work and I just step into my music room and turn on my computer and I'm at the office. Uh, so, so will the people want to go back? You know, will staff want to go back to work? I mean, we we don't really know. Oh, that's how 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 is your business coping with this whole situation? Like, uh, can you still teach a little bit, or like, what's the yeah? Plan? 
So it, it was it was interesting because we have um you know our our staff members are younger and they're from all over the United uh, in the United States all over the world and one of our staff members at the end of February uh, is from China and she said hey there's I don't know if you've heard of this COVID virus and I was like yeah I've heard something about it but they said it's you know it's nothing she's like it's really horrible and they're going to shut everything down so I just want you to know like when it breaks out here I'm going to be working from at home you know I'm going to do Zoom and I was just like okay. Yeah. I didn't say, I was like, okay, but I'm thinking in my mind, you're, are you crazy? Like what? We're not going to close down the United States. And like two weeks to the day I was, went into the office, was talking to my manager and I was like, Hey, I don't think we can open today. And then the governor said, we're closing down. So luckily we had had that staff member who told us two weeks before, yeah, we're going to, you know, everything's going to be online and you're going to have to use zoom. I didn't know what zoom was. Uh, so I figured out over that night, I went home and figured out how to zoom work. I made a YouTube video, you know, like this and explained it to the staff and said, you're going to need to download the software and here's how you're going to teach your lessons. And we called up all the parents and we uh, emailed everyone and said, okay, we're switching to zoom. And so that was Monday. And by Wednesday we were up and running on zoom thinking it was going to be about two weeks. And then there was that sort of spring break weeks. We were close. We're like, you know, first week of April, we're back to normal. We're going to look back at this and laugh and go, can you believe we were closed for two weeks? Oh my God, that's crazy. And of course, here we are December and we're still on Zoom. Uh, and so I think we are able, um, we figured it out very quickly. Okay, how do you teach uh, over Zoom? Well, there's screen sharing. So I can draw the lessons on my screen. So if a student has a question, I can. it almost looks like a whiteboard. Uh, I can screen share the music. So if we're working on a song, I can pull up Spotify and I can play the song over Spotify. I can write down the music on the screen and I'm just like, hey, pull out your phone, take a picture of your lesson. So I'm not writing out your lesson on paper. Uh, I'm writing it out on a screen. Uh, for books, you know, I, Books are, books are a little bit easier because, hey, we're on page 16 and you're just talking to the person. Yep. And so people adapted pretty quickly. We figured out technological things like plugging our guitars and our keyboards into our computer so they get really excellent audio. Because obviously mm -hmm. if I'm playing the guitar in the background, you can you can hear it, but it's just not as good. If I'm plugged into the computer and you have headphones on, it's like I'm sitting next to you. Uh, I mean, the, the audio is great. So we solved those technological issues really quickly. Uh, for the dance classes, for the group classes, it was a little more difficult. Uh, so, you know, everyone set up their, it's like, hey, if you have a flat screen TV, turn on the flat screen TV, download the app. If you have a computer, a laptop, and the teacher just set up a tripod in a dance studio or in their house and just taught the classes there. And uh, with with the idea that it was going to be short term. And, uh, and, and we kind of gradually reopened. But uh, we are still probably 60% online uh, where people, you know, it feels like it's this holding pattern. Like people are like, you know, we want to come back, but it's just, it, it just sort of keeps dragging on and on. So, uh, I mean, as a business, it was tough. Uh, definitely challenges. You know, we can't do theater. Uh, we don't have the license to broadcast theater, so we can't do theater over the internet. That was one of the things we can't live stream theater, somebody owns the rights to that and they wouldn't relinquish those rights. So we couldn't do that. Uh, we also couldn't have groups of, you know, 40 or 50 kids. So theater was sort of uh, in suspended animation for now. Uh, some of our small classes we were able to do, we were able to just sort of spread things out, social distance, everything, uh, have unusual hours. We actually, it's funny, I actually, from a management perspective, made a video of me walking people through uh through the school, if you go to my website, academyofmusicandart.com, you can see the staying safe tab. And there's a video of me and I walk everyone 
through the building and say, hey, here's, here's how you're getting in safely. Here's all our different things. Here's how the traffic patterns are going so that people would feel comfortable and, and safe. That was a biggie. A lot of people watched that video. We know a lot of that really sort of reassured people that they were going to be safer. Nice. Yeah, I'm obviously, I'm obviously not on the creative end of things. So uh, I was sitting thinking like, how can you teach someone how to hold a guitar and all yeah. <laughs> these crazy thoughts? But yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm definitely not belonging to the creative part of the the world. So yeah, I mean it's as easy. I know this is audio, so people are, can't see it, but you'd literally pick up your guitar and say, okay, so your strings are one, two, three, four. Okay, your fingers are one, two, three, four. You're gonna put your second finger here, right? And you just you just walk them through it, uh, and it's a little bit. And I I think you know it's interesting because the kids adjusted right away. They're just like, okay, I, I figured this out. Uh, I think the parents were more apprehensive. Like, so you really had to explain, like, you know, your kids can learn this because they're already on like Duolingo, learning to speak Spanish on Duolingo. You know, they're already doing everything on their phone. Uh, you know, I have one student who she's like, yeah, I'm learning to speak German on Duolingo. It's like the free app. It's like so they're already used to being on their phone and learning everything on their phone, or if they have a question, they look it up on YouTube, their calculators on their phone. Um, you know, even in class, they're like, yeah, if I don't have, if I don't understand something in class, I can just like pull up my phone and find the answer. Not on like a test, but let's say you just don't understand something or yeah. whatever you're working on a project. So I think the kids were super, uh, you know, adapted right away. Uh, you know, so definitely uh, it's, I think it's getting the parents on board. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. Well, that's really cool, Chris. Any yeah. other fantastic lessons or any resources you have that you want to share around management that you think the audience could benefit from or anything? Um, you know, you know, as far I, I mentioned some of the books, I think for me, the E-Myth was really good. The One Minute Manager was a really good thing. Uh, I think with the staff from a management standpoint, it's just keeping things simple and basic, especially if you're in the gig economy and you're dealing with creative people, uh, is understanding that, you your what you do isn't that important to them so if, if you're a you know if you're a computer scientist if you're in the tech field and you have this great job at amazon it's the most important thing in the world i know that the people who work for me it's not the most important thing in the world for them and and working around that and and sort of accepting the fact that okay this person is you're gonna have to get this person to see this as a job and a commitment uh, with some flexibility, because otherwise, you, you know, you go crazy. You're always mad at everybody, right? You're all, I mean, imagine like if, you know, if every time somebody did something, you were like mad at them, I mean, you'd be angry all day. So I think it's better to, you know, embrace the fact like, hey, this is, this is what you have and, and really work and try to mold your staff and build that relationship to where uh, they want to, they want to sort of be part of your system. Uh, yep. So yeah, that, I think that would be the biggie, especially if you're in the gig economy. I love the mindset, and uh, I mean, one one of the things I personally looked at a, a good few years ago now was uh, this whole anger and unhappiness, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like what, awful. what what is the actual point of being angry? Like, people yeah. like, yeah, but it hurts other people, and I'm like, no, it hurts only yourself. You make yourself unhappy, you make yourself in a bad mood. And I've never seen someone getting angry solve any problems. Yeah, so it's it, like, it, uh, yeah. It's literally a loose, loose, loose situation. And I'm like, wait a minute, that makes no sense. Why are we always running around getting upset over all this stuff when it brings us absolutely zero value? And and it, like that's coming from a very logical standpoint, obviously. 
but yeah. and and executing on it is like changing that is not necessarily a super easy thing to do but yeah. uh, i mean i i could say i i don't think i've been angry for i don't know i'd say 10 years by now um yeah it just, it's it's not worth getting angry over you'll lose your mind you know it's you'll go yeah. crazy and, yeah and i think it's like it's definitely something that i've changed me and it's definitely something like people always ask me are you never unhappy and i'm like well you know sometimes there's stuff i'm not happy about but you know then i can go change it but the, the whole like it, it's very much about the blame game i think it's this thing with you know it's easy to blame anyone or anything else for sure. either your failure or your shortcomings but when you're actually looking at you know is there something I can do to solve this? And you see there is, then actually going doing that will help you move forward, right? And and taking that out of it is key. Oh yeah, and, and you, know, you know, along this lines, there's a great book by Jack Canfield called The Success Principles. And, and it's an awesome book. And one of the things he talks about is, you know, in every situation, take 100% responsibility. So if something's not managing right, if the business isn't running right, it's easy for me to go, well, but this person did this, this person did this. But if I say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm taking 100% responsibility. Do I need to train someone better? Do I need to explain something better? Do I need to do this better? As opposed to getting angry or saying, you know, oh God, I don't ever, you know. Yeah, it's like, okay, so I own the business. It's mine. You know, my name's on the door. I've had it since 1990. I'm 100% responsible. How do I prevent this from happening? Do I need to explain something to, you know, do I need to train the staff better? Do I need to write a couple more pages in the operations manual? You know, what do I need to do? And if you take that 100% responsibility and, you know, from a management standpoint, from a customer service standpoint too, if a customer's mad about something, if you say, hey, I'm Chris, I own the business and you take 100, you just take the other staff members out of it. It's like, hey, I own the business. You can be mad at me. I'm 100% responsible for everything that goes on here. So if it's a shortcoming, it's my shortcoming it deflates that it's like, well, how, you know, you, you're taking it all, you're taking the hit. And it almost like 99% of the time diffuses the situation. Cause they're talking, you're not trying to pass the buck. You're just like, no, how, how can I help? Let me, let me resolve this. I'm, I'm yeah. the, for, forget about that. You know, I'm the person who's responsible. What can I do? Uh, and that, you know, it, it, the person cools off. Uh, so Definitely. But that, that would be another great resource. Success Principles, Jack Canfield, a really influential book uh, in many aspects of my life. That's a great book. Awesome. Chris, it was fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you uh, very much great. for your participation. And yeah, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, I hope COVID plays out well for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great doing your show. I really appreciate the audience. Thank you very much. And right. to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.